One of the best ways to support the FTF podcast is to check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, interviews, and plenty more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast where we develop and produce the highest quality gaming content in podcast form. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I am Alex Kendall. And we're going to die over and over and over again as we dive into Dark Souls. Yeah, so we'll be covering uh, Dark Souls, the second of the series in the Souls series or the Soulsborn series, if you want to call it that. Uh, that really hit the main market, mm-hmm. uh, that really got a lot more people into this, you know, very challenging game that really started the challenge mode, if mm-hmm. you if you will. Or the, you know, your normal mode is super insanity. Yeah. With, with no hand-holding, kind of throws you into it. And it's really that charm that kept people around and kept people digging more and more into the game. Well, there's a lot about this game where it is the aesthetic and the world and you you said the lore that I think keeps a lot of people in. But then the fact that it is such an open game that is super challenging that made people want to just keep going mm-hmm. and keep going and fighting for it and get, you know, the glorious gear and, and see some of these awesome bosses that you have to go against. Dark Souls is an action RPG developed by From Software and published by Namco Bandai Games, released September 22, 2011. Set in the world of Lordran, an undead entity fights to regain his humanity and to discover the fate of their kind. The game is notoriously difficult, and with even the most basic enemies proving a challenge to the player, and the game throwing them into the experience with barely any tutorial or explanation of its systems. Miyazaki describes Dark Souls as, quote, spicy, but edible. And I usually can't even handle spicy food, so that's how I fare in the game. Uh, <laughs> <essentially>. Understandable. <laughs> but let's talk about From Software, the developers of Dark Souls, you know, Demon Souls, and all those Soulsborne games. So founded in 1986 by Naotoshi Zin after a motorcycle accident, Zin had some time on his hands recovering from the accident and contemplated what to do with his insurance money. He decided to start From Software. Originally, it was not a game development studio at all. Rather, they developed business application software. Japan was facing some economic hardships in the early 90s, so the studio needed to look into different industries. And though they had their eyes set on video games, and several employees were familiar with 3D modeling, 
Zen felt that they had to wait for the right hardware to release to jump into developing video games. Once the PlayStation was released, the studio felt it was the right hardware to develop video games on. They released the first-person RPG, Kingsfield, on December 16, 1994, which would turn out to be a rough start for their gaming endeavors. But seeds from Kingsfield would blossom in their future titles, inheriting elements such as the difficulty and setting. The studio would go on to release three additional Kingsfield titles since the initial release of the first title was an overall success in Japan financially. Even though From Software was developing games and other genres, they could not help but continually return to their roots. In 2003, they released Shadow Tower Abyss, an RPG shooter that would start to resemble the iconic Souls-esque tone fans have come to know. Yeah, so it started this off, and you know these games have built up as time went on. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just Demon Souls that started it out and and continued. Yeah, it was taking bits and pieces from each game that they had developed with the difficulty and that notion. And and mm-hmm. one reason they weren't really seeing that success early on was the difficulty. Nineties mm-hmm. were notorious for having eighties and nineties. I would say were notorious for having hard games, but mostly for arcades, mm-hmm. mostly to keep the quarters pouring in, to keep the kids there, you know, to keep you playing Contra and Street Fighter and all these yeah, Mortal yeah. Kombat. And that's where the difficulty lied. It wasn't necessarily in every single portion of it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of either a boss thing or trying to get, you know, that perfect weapon going back to Contra that could help you, you know, go through the side scroller without yeah, dying. Yeah. Yeah, and and so when other companies were trying their hands, you know, especially at the home console or, or, you know, PC, people weren't as thrilled about it. Especially when you're talking an RPG Mm -hmm. that wasn't a side-scroller or, uh, you know, like a TMNT-type game. It was something that you were supposed to be able to kind of level up, have those fantasy elements into it, and... It was tough. It was it was tough to sell that. It did do well. You know, this, this mm-hmm, started to develop mm-hmm. and snowball. You know, with Kingsfield and those early titles, and we're starting to see where those seeds that Jesse had said earlier are starting to sprout and blossom into something that they can work with. Mm-hmm, exactly. But essentially, what was their breakout title was Demon Souls, and it could be arguably called the first Souls game, which was released on the PS3 in 2009. Now, originally, Demon's Souls was going to be another installment of Kingsfield. While the game was in development, it started falling apart. From Software would bring in designer Hidetaka Miyazaki onto the project, and things would start to turn around. Miyazaki has an odd background in video games. In fact, he was banned from playing video games as a child. He did not go to school for anything video game related. He instead started his career in account management after college. He was 29 years old when he had landed his first job in the video game industry. Before Demon's Souls, he was working on Armored Core Last Raven 4 from Software. The studio saw his devotion and attention to detail and thought he might be a good asset for the Demon's Souls project. With Demon's Souls, Miyazaki was able to work on his favorite genre, fantasy. Drawing inspiration from early Dragon Quest games, fantasy-themed game books like Fighting Fantasy, and manga like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It was his idea that the studio make a new IP for the game altogether, instead of continuing the Kingsfield series. The game was already falling apart, so the team was open to any and all of his ideas of building around this grim, dark, dank world, mm-hmm. this kind of dark fantasy world. Yeah. But Miyazaki, you know, he, he had some ideas with it, and he said, quote, Personally, a world that is happy and bright is something that just does not feel realistic to me. 
It may sound like I have a trauma or something, but I believe that the world is generally a wasteland that is not kind to us. That's just the way I see it. (laughs) And so, you know, he had this idea of seeing, I guess, the world for what it is. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of take those connotations if you want to apply that to the soul series to see that, mm-hmm. to see like some of the worst of people come out in a lot of these bosses or a mm-hmm. lot of these enemies or just in being a hollowed, yeah. you know, losing all of your humanity and just being, you know, kind of wanderless and, and guideless. Well, the, all as well as the decline of these societies, you mm-hmm. know, I think it's all present if you if you dig into it. Oh, Absolutely. When it came time to pitch Demon's Souls to Sony, From Software left out how difficult the game would be for players, because they knew Sony's marketing team would have shot that down. Miyazaki would run this idea by Sony's producer, who agreed to leave that aspect out. (laughs) Two years later, Demon's Souls was released to the world. Demon's Souls was the first game that the studio collaborated with a publisher on, which was Sony, and the first game that they garnered international recognition for. Initially, Demon's Souls did not do so well in the Japanese market, but it grew a cult following rather quickly and was deemed successful after selling 1 million copies internationally with the help of Bandai Namco publishing the game in the United States and in Europe. Sony originally thought that the game would only sell around 75,000 copies. That is very low for their projections. Mm -hmm. With these sales numbers, it was clear that the studio had finally perfected the RPG formula that they had spent 15 years creating. So they looked to make a spiritual successor to Demon Souls, Dark Souls. Yeah, so this is where we're starting to get that beginning line of it of like, okay, it did what we kind of thought it could do. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not a uh, super AAA that's, you know, breaking the bank. It's But it's doing, I think, better than they thought it would. It's, I, I th- it's profitable. It's profitable. Yeah, and that's all that, especially a lot of publishers... Even if a game is at 100% profitable, if they think it can be for the second installment mm-hmm. alone, they're going to green light it. But this was profitable. Like, yeah, this was something that definitely worked with it and mm-hmm. that they could definitely like get it figured out and and really make something. Like you said, if it brings in $3 as profit, that's $3 profit. Yeah, so think of we can make $5 profit on number two, essentially. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is where they, they started developing Dark Souls. Because initially, it was a little bit of a challenge to get the rest of From Software on board with kind of the sequel to Demon's Souls. Most at From Software thought that the success of Demon's Souls could have been pure luck. Miyazaki was also pretty reluctant to try to convince his peers to work on a sequel. Luckily, the studio was on board to create a game, you know, not because it was that sequel to Demon's Souls, but because ultimately it was a game from Miyazaki. The whole studio trusted him. And that makes sense because, you know, he's kind of the one... I guess all the brains to it, you know, the one Mm -hmm. that's saying, Sony, leave that out. Like, hey, wink, wink. Let's just (laughs) run it by them. You know, let's start this fantasy world. And it definitely became, you know, his baby or his brainchild that he's working with. So Mm -hmm. he's like, listen, don't think of it as a sequel to this game. Like, we're not doing like a Kingsfield, you know, series with it. Mm -hmm. You're doing you're doing my games. Yeah. And I think that definitely instilled a lot more trust for people. Yeah. Because initially Demon's Souls was used as the template for Dark Souls but would slowly evolve from it. The studio would find themselves pulling back more and more from the core of Demon's Souls and would explore other avenues of the game that were not featured in it. Putting so much more content into Dark Souls made development difficult at times, but they knew what and how they needed to better their game from what they had with Demon's Souls. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, essentially I'm assuming there's a lot left on the chopping block because they essentially came in 
to fix this Kingsfield title that mm-hmm. became Demon Souls. Now it's like, all right, let's actually add more things in that we didn't before. Miyazaki would read a good amount of feedback from fans on a regular basis regarding Demon Souls to see what they liked, and more importantly, what they did not like from the game. The studio would not just add things into the game that players directly asked for, but they would analyze the overall theme or synopsis from this kind of survey, mm-hmm. and they would implement it in ways that players honestly weren't expecting. Which I think is a better way to do instead of a bunch of players saying, I want this exact kind of axe. You know, they say, okay, well, we're going to add an axe similar. Like, I, I don't know exactly how they did it, but yeah, it's just not re- not direct requests, but instead overall themes, I think was a genius on their part. Yeah, to at least like you said, include the themes or... You know, we want to see a, a boss like this, or hey, we want more weapons like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll take the idea of what you have and apply it in our own way that we think is not only creative, but causes the player to think and be like, oh, that's, that's insane. Exactly. You know, to kind of drum that up. Dark Souls is similar to Demon Souls, but in a different world. Despite many fans' attempt to link Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and the Bloodborne worlds together, unlike Demon Souls, Dark Souls has a minimalist story. The studio wanted the player to learn more about the lore and the overall story themselves. It also introduced the bonfire checkpoint and the central location that the players return to instead of a level-by-level basis in Demon Souls. Dark Souls has also doubled the amount of armor and weapons, allowing the players to customize and play with different combinations. Additionally, the Dark Souls world is triple the size of the Demon Souls world. And you see it. You, you mm-hmm. see it, especially in just the grandiose landscapes that Dark Souls brings. Yes. You know, whether it's the castles, whether it's, you know, in some of the cityscapes, it's just so massive. And it, it it's reminiscent of what I would see or picture in like a D&D fantasy. Yeah, exactly. And And what's even crazy is, you know, like sometimes you see, you know, a mile out in the distance, you see those houses... Those are actually all built to scale. Mm-hmm. So uh, people have like gone off off the camera and, and looked. And, you know, if, if a house is two stories high, it, it, it actually, actually is two is. stories. Yeah, they put a lot of detail they didn't need to, even in just the background scenery. Yeah, and all this, like you said, in the background scenery or window box stuff or mm-hmm. light box that you may not see. And even the skybox itself is so interesting in, yes. in the elements they put to it and creating that fantasy world. Now, if if because this for me in the Dark Souls universe is usually how I would always picture anything in those fighting fantasy books. You can see really where they got that inspiration from of the descriptors in that that just makes it like those books are always out to get you. Like there's only mm-hmm. one true way to finish the book. Otherwise, you die. Exactly. So having that in there is almost the same way with Dark Souls and Demon Souls where there are multiple ways to get to it. But there's like one pathway in the end to like finish up and fight the final bosses exactly now publisher namco bandai would step back and let developers do what they wanted including upping the difficulty namco bandai had one main focus when it came to their devs which was just deadlines every time namco bandai would receive new builds of the game they were more and more impressed with each one This was good for From Software, since the game itself was constantly changing and evolving all up until the end of development. For instance, the character Oscar was originally going to be a reoccurring character, and the Bed of Chaos was more of a straightforward boss fight, essentially. Yeah, they changed a lot of that, but the only thing I will say is that although, you know, the battle was fun, the Bed of Chaos was interesting, 
that actually was one of Miyazaki's biggest regrets. Yeah, because a lot of people complained about it, and I think he saw that. Um, yeah, and I think this one thing is like, I probably should have done it a little differently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, though. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. But let's break down uh, how they built a story. What, what yeah, went into yeah. this? And, you know, this, this nonlinear but linear but interesting story that fans had to piece together yeah. and develop. There are three themes that Miyazaki would put into the world of Dark Souls. Knights and Kings, Death and Darkness, and Purgatory and Flames. The studio would also put a heavy emphasis on swordplay, RPG elements, and multiplayer functions. The studio wanted to have Dark Souls stay true to Demon Souls in difficulty, but turn it up to 11. This was not to just make the game harder, but instead give the players a sense of satisfaction once they overcame difficult enemies or areas. The developers wanted deaths in Dark Souls to never be frustrating, mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead be something the player would understand and learn from, and sometimes even make the player laugh. This is why they designed so many traps and difficult areas to navigate in the game. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I will begrudgingly agree with that. With the traps, yes. Like, that's funny. But when they're like, we didn't want to make it hard, just satisfying. I'm like, I get what you're saying, but damn it, it made me it made me very mad. I will say, like, it, it is satisfying because going through boss fights, because I, I have just replayed it again, and I haven't played it in years and years. Mm-hmm. But going through those boss fights and slightly remembering what I knew, but mm-hmm. now being like, okay, we learned the attack patterns. You're like, okay, if he does this, it's going to be a jumping sweep. Or if they do this, it'll be an explosion. Mm-hmm. I got to get away from it. Or I got to do this. So it's it's definitely there. I will say that because you get this, like, chip on your shoulder that just keeps weighing yeah. you down, weighing you down, weighing you down. And then when you get past that area... It, you feel ecstatic. Like, it, it's definitely there. It, it's a, a sigh of relief, essentially. What's just as interesting as the story is the art style. Mm-hmm. Demon Souls is set around the Middle Ages, so it was difficult for Miyazaki to find a lot of reference material for the architecture. Since Dark Souls is set in a later time period, it was much easier to find the references that the studio would need. From Software worked with an outside art studio to help with some of the designs, like the character crossbreed Priscilla. There is an abundance of inspiration for Dark Souls from real-life people and places. Example of these include the Il Duomo Cathedral, a helmet that was a gift to King Henry VIII from Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian I, composer Leo Ornstein, Samurai Sasaki Kojiro, Mexico's real-life crystal cave, and philosopher John Goh. Visually, the studio wanted Dark Souls to represent their greatest gimmick, death. Almost everything the player encountered in the game was related to death, and the overall game needed to reflect that. Yep. This would lead to many conversations about how to implement that into the art style of the game. And when it came time to design the game, Miyazaki would give designers image words and would let them design from there. Some of the words were straightforward, like dragon, and some were more philosophical that would help the designers create a backstory for a character they were designing. And that makes a lot of sense, as you see just a lot of, even just the enemies you fight, a lot of the bosses that you'll mm-hmm. you'll fight along, like Ornstein, is obviously directly translated into a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And it's so neat to see, like, because that's, that's so fun for an artist, too, where it's like, all right, you're going to do... Sadness incarnate. How, yes. how? What is that? How did yeah. you put that together? Because 
you know, instead of saying I want a character that looks exactly like this, mm-hmm. or just saying I just want a dragon, say I want a dragon, but I want him to reflect this emotion or yeah, this time. To have period. multiple hy- to have multiple hydra heads and mm-hmm. spit water at Alex that he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like that. That was exactly what they talked about at that time too. <laughs> They're like, how can we mess with Alex? Uh-huh. Miyazaki would consult with each designer to guide them towards the art style he wanted, usually by referencing an old RPG book. I feel like Miyazaki just carried this around with him. He always had like a couple RPG books just everywhere. Got a little he backpack. <laughs> Overall, the look of the game did not have one art style. Instead, it was a culmination of all the artists' individual styles. No single designer was just creating maps, characters, or equipment. Instead, sometimes they were doing all three. Designers ran with their freedom in the game, down to all the building scene in the background, you know, as I had said, being built to uh, scale. Oddly enough, as much as death reflects mm-hmm. this game, Miyazaki did request that the game not, you know, be too bloody or gory. You know, maybe just to try to appeal to a little bigger audience. I'm not sure. The world of Lordran was originally going to be disconnected. It was not until the latter half of development that Miyazaki decided to start exploring the idea of the map being connected. The studio was looking to further themselves from Demon Souls, so why not make it one more open, cohesive world? Miyazaki did flirt with this idea at the beginning of development, but decided to put the idea on hold until later in the project. Yeah, so it's, it's nice that it is connected, and mm-hmm. it's cool because you can go from you know your initial bonfire down to the sewers or down to the skeletons to this crypt mm-hmm. or you know to Blight Town or kind of wherever you're going. It's all connected in a way, uh, which is amazing that you can get to every place almost at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. You do need to do some progression and some boss progression to get to certain areas that either have locked doors or gates yeah, or you need yeah. a key for something. But for the most part, you can start exploring because there is no there's no leveling gaps for enemies. Yeah. Like they don't level with you. There's not weaker enemies. You just get stronger. Mm-hmm. So you can immediately fight some of these big big bad boys. <laughs> and, and just and might regret it. Might regret it. I mean, you can... But I do like, though, that you can pretty much take... If you have patience and skill, you can take anything down. Mm-hmm. Which well, I found very well, it's interesting. It's the same, like you know, people in Breath of the Wild went from the Great Plateau and straight to uh, Ganon and fought him with just a stick. You know, like enough patience, you got it. Yeah, if you're going for any challenge like that. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I know that they did bring over or try to bring over, bring over in their own way, was multiplayer. Mm-hmm. The multiplayer of the game is not new to the Soul series. From Software would carry it over from Demon Souls. Miyazaki took the inspiration for the multiplayer aspect of the game from driving on icy roads. One day, a car in front of him on an icy hill started to slide backwards, along with his car. The driver at the bottom of the hill was able to push the rest of the cars forward. Working together, they all made it up the hill. Before Miyazaki was able to thank the group, everyone drove off. He described this as, quote, connection of mutual assistance between transient people. Uh, So basically trying to say... You're helping each other, mm-hmm. but there's like nothing in return. You don't get to speak. You don't get to have thanks. It's just so you. Yeah, it's like he he just wanted to say, "Hey, thanks, guys." And there's like, we want to get out of this this snowy area. And it makes sense, you know, because mm-hmm. as you can either you know summon in others, or others can be summoned into your game. That's pretty much what it is. Because once things yeah. are done, or once you cross a certain passage, they dissipate. See you later. Yeah, you know, without kind of an exchange of anything else. Mm-hmm. The online aspect of the game almost delayed the release of Dark Souls, though. In spring 2011, the PlayStation Network would go down for months, and this would directly affect the development of the online gameplay of Dark Souls. Luckily, 
Sony kept From Software updated on their progress, bringing the network back online, and once the servers were live, production would continue for online gameplay. Mm-hmm. Now, in September 2010, From Software announced to the world their next game, Project Dark. The studio stated that the game was for fans of Demon Souls. At the time, nothing else was said about the game, including its actual title. The studio originally planned on calling the game either Dark Race or Dark Ring, but the name was finalized as Dark Souls. Dark Ring was dropped because it was slang for anus. (laughs) There you go. The title of the game was officially announced in an issue of Famitsu in February 2011. It was also revealed that the game was just going to be a PS3 exclusive in Japan, but will be playable on the PS3 and Xbox 360 and all other markets. Come August of 2011, the studio would start to crunch to make sure that the game released with as few bugs as possible, but the studio was not able to nab them all. The Japanese release of the game was delayed, but only by 11 days. Originally set to release September 11th, 2011, it was pushed back to September 22nd, 2011, to reach that potential zero bug release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're doing what they could for it, and it's not mm-hmm. bad, a week and a half or so, to be yeah. able to take out what they can, improve the gameplay possibilities that they see. Yeah. Because you can't, you can get zero bug as far as you can tell, but unless you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people play test, yeah. you don't know. Well, you and I have had a discussion. You can get zero bug in a studio, but you can never anticipate... You, you you had specifically told me once millions of people jumping in this one spot to see what happens, mm-hmm. or you just can't test that. Yeah. Like most anticipated titles, copies of Dark Souls would make their way into players' hands before the game was officially released. From Software had a devious solution for those who decided to play the game early. These players were met with a level 145 invaders in the game with maxed out stats, making the game unplayable without dying over and over and over and over again and never gaining any ground. After two years of development, Dark Souls was released to the world. And according to Miyazaki, the game takes about 60 hours to complete. Mm-hmm. Especially going you know, from the beginning to the end. And, you know, and that's a rough cap because, I mean, you know, I've seen my speed runs. It can be done in under an hour. <laughs> uh, by default, I'm going on six or seven years now since I haven't completed it yet. So, yeah, we'll we'll do a um, <laughs> we'll do a Jesse run. I want to see Jesse just get past the first <sighs> boss. That's all I'm asking. I can't promise anything. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but the one that I play on, and the one that a lot of fans were looking for, was the Prepare to Die edition. Mm-hmm. You know, because right now we only had it on the PS3 and 360, but we got PC players going. When am I going to see a little piece of that that DS action? Like, what the hell? Where's yeah. ours? Listen, Nintendo's got Nintendo DS. PlayStation and Xbox already have DS. Where's my DS? <laughs> That's what we're asking. <laughs> there were no plans for a PC version of the game, but fans were quick to voice their interest in that option. Publisher Namco Bandai would let fans know if a petition were to be created, they would consider a PC port. Fans would quickly make one, though generating over 100,000 signatures. With this in mind, Namco Bandai went, huh, all right. I think they said that as an offhanded comment, like, eh, make make a make a petition, you know. I, I think because a lot of companies be like, yeah, get enough signatures, we're good. And they're like, hey, we're breaking your door down. We have, this was done in six minutes. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, uh-oh. Yeah. So they accepted this plea and began development for the PC edition of the game. Something From Software did not plan for or honestly look forward to. It was originally rumored that this version would contain new bosses from a German gaming magazine, but to fans' dismay, this was not the case. 
when news broke out that Dark Souls was coming to the PC on Windows Live, fans were quick to create a petition to ask <laughs> Namco Bandai to not have Dark Souls on Windows Live, <laughs> but to offer it on Valve Steam. Windows Live was honestly, was it ever popular? No, I think I put it at the time, but yeah, I think no. I'm thinking like with most Microsoft things that come out, especially <laughs> Windows stuff, you just use it if you have to. And in this case, they didn't want to. No. So when they're looking into this, like, all right, let's see what's going on. Let's see what you got. Well, this new petition got 23,000 signatures. So mm, not 100. Not, not even a quarter of what they got. But still, Bandai Namco is like, okay, okay. If you had bought it on Windows Live, you can transition to Steam. And for a limited time, we could we would actually let you transfer over your saved data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, so they actually made sure that the migration process was available, and a lot of fans clambered to this and really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From Software struggled with porting the game onto PC. This was due to the fact that there was not a large PC audience in Japan. So From Software was not exactly focused on this market before creating Dark Souls. This meant that the game would not be an upgraded version, but instead a ported Xbox 360 version, including all the glitches and bugs. The studio was too busy creating DLC to fix the bugs for this release mm-hmm. anyways. You know, and you had producer Daisuke Uchiyama state, quote, To be completely honest, we're having a tough time doing it due to our lack of experience and knowledge in terms of porting to PC. First, we thought it would be a breeze, but it turned out not to be the case. We're still developing right now. We're crunching right now. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you got to think, there were zero plans to do this, and the publisher's like... Let's do this. So, the, and they saw the demand, so yeah. they just kind of just had to do it. You know, Dark Souls Prepared to Die Edition was released on PC August twenty fourth, two thousand twelve, and included the DLC Artorius of the Abyss. The PC version of the game ran at a low resolution and was just as buggy, if not worse, in some circumstances as the console version. NeoGAF user Durante made an update that would help it run at a higher resolution, up to twenty five sixty by sixteen hundred but still at 30 frames per second. From Software was aware of how poor the PC version of the game was, and Dark Souls 2 creative director Yu Tanamura admitted that it was, quote, half-assed, which would lead the studio putting an emphasis on Dark Souls 2 PC version. Dark Souls Prepare to Die Edition was taken down from Steam May 8, 2018 to make its way for Dark Souls Remastered version, which came out the next day. Yeah, so the Dark Souls Remastered version uh, is the same game. It just has a lot of updated UI integration, better graphics, uh, just a lot more that came to remastering a game to make it an actual PC port, I guess is the best way to say it. Because mm-hmm. it makes, uh, you know, having, your, if you want friends to join you, it makes it so much easier through different settings mm-hmm. and uh, keeping an online mode, it's there. I'm a less again. I'm prepared to die, guy. You're I, old I'm, school. I'm, I'm prepared to die on this hill. <laughs> I'm prepared to die. <laughs> uh, let's jump over to marketing. Let's let's see what they got going to this game because mm-hmm. there wasn't much, but there was much, but there wasn't. Yeah. So Bandai Namco did not put a lot of the game's budget into marketing. Instead, letting a majority of it go into development of the game. That does not mean they did not come up with some unique ways to engage players with the hype of the game itself, including constantly promoting how hard the game was through trailers and print media, always encouraging the player to, quote, prepare to die. Well, especially with the word of mouth of Dark Souls already, and then they're literally telling you, hey, you're going to die a bunch when Mm -hmm. you play this game. Like, that's kind of part of the gimmick. Because I know Demon's Souls was more of that, I don't want to call it underground, 
mm-hmm. more of those fans that were already tuned into those styles of games. Yes. Or wanted something like that. Like I had a friend, I had a friend who actually, he, he introduced me to Dark Souls when it came out. Cause he's like, I play Demon Souls. You need to check this out. Mm-hmm. And so when you have this game that to me, this was more the game that really came to the mainstream US market. Yes. And saying, you know what? You suck. <laughs> like, what? What'd you say to me? Yeah. They, you suck. It, it, they're basically saying, like, come on. It's like, goading. It's, it's a goading mm-hmm. thing where it's like, it's whenever you, it's basically going to any carnival. Like, oh, you think you're a strong man? You think you can, like, hit that bell? Yeah. I don't think you can. So then it's goading, like, oh, you don't think I can? <laughs> Let's Dark Souls this bell. And then you're like, oh, I'm not a strong man. And then you get gaper demon and you know how it just be. Uh, but speaking of some products, you know, Gaping Dragon and then products, they really go well together. <laughs> so there's your transition for you guys. Bandai Namco would give away five 12-inch unique statues through preparetodie.com, created by Peter Nordstrom. In terms of the statues, according to Games Radar before the release of the game, quote, one is a late... All right, so this is my favorite. This is how they're basically describing these bosses or these characters <laughs> based on just the description of how they look. Because they didn't know anything yeah. about what's going mm-hmm, into the game. Mm-hmm. We have... One is a lady with half a pinwheel in her hair. One is a dark knight with very little face. <laughs> Two are monsters. One is a cutie. And one is a knight on his knees, presumably doing some of the dying that the game promises will happen so frequently. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> on the website, fans would have to solve puzzles and find clues in order to move on to the next objective. It took five players months to win the statues. So these statues were these giveaways. It's mm-hmm. honestly a pretty cool marketing thing because it's relatively cheap for them. It's producing these five statues plus yeah. you know running the site and shipping and handling. But that's it. You have all the mm-hmm. players just get involved, figuring out these puzzles, and honestly more of the lore of the game mm-hmm. as they went through it. Bungie did the same thing when they were marketing the first Destiny as well, like those uh, ARG websites. Yeah, any of those augmented stuff was, was mm-hmm. really good. Go back to Halo as well with I Love Bees. Yes. Just anything outside of it that was a creative marketing ploy yeah. that didn't necessarily take money, but it took time. Exactly. So we had those statues going on with that. Mm-hmm. And next we had the coffin competition. So in Australia... Players could play Dark Souls in a coffin on either PS3 or the Xbox 360 on an LCD TV with surround sound for the competition. The competition was held by Bandai Namco. It'd be totally transparent. We could not find what this was for. I'm assuming... Also be transparent, I asked Jesse, can you please find me one of these coffins? (laughs) And I have not had a response yet. Yeah, but I mean, it literally is like a black coffin with a bunch of Dark Souls uh, uh, decals on the side. You know what would be great with that, too? Hmm. Is if, you know, know that that weird gaming thing that came out uh, where it would actually hurt you if you got shot? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I want this, though, and I want when you die, the coffin door just slams and it falls over (laughs) and just goes six feet under. Actually, just sign me up for that, and I'll, I will die purposely immediately. <laughs> we're getting that for stream now. We're getting the coffin. I'm gonna, we're going to build a custom coffin. <laughs> I, can, I can build a coffin. Okay, good. Uh, well, it's your coffin, so best of luck. <laughs> Where it'll just slam shut and drop every time you die. We have to reset it. Oh, my it. God. I'd I'm going to get a concussion. I'd pay to watch it. I'd be running it. <laughs> I'd be subbing it myself. All right, please let us know, Discord, comments, anything like that. If if you want this to happen, and because uh, Jesse is for some reason opening up this can of worms and going with it, and I do not know why. Uh, I I usually don't say no to you a lot about this kind of stuff, so you're not wrong. <laughs> and finally, we have the Community Shield Design Contest. Namco Bandai held a design contest for Japanese participants to design a shield for the game. 
The studio did not give participants any restrictions or guidelines when designing the shields. Fans had three shield templates to design for their shield and submit by July 13th, 2011. The top 10 winners would receive a signed copy of Dark Souls from Miyazaki. And the top three winners would have their shield featured in the game. And and from what we've you know, looked into, it seems to be that the Sanctus shield, uh, the blood shield, possibly the effigy uh, shield were the winners. Mm-hmm. So let's break it down. What do we do in Dark Souls? We know we die. That's all I've literally ever done in that game. Oh, I think that's in the notes. Uh, just die. Anyway, let's move to the next section. <laughs> so Dark Souls is, as we had said, a third-person action role-playing game. The core mechanic of the game is exploration. Players are encouraged by the game to proceed with caution, learn from past mistakes, or find alternate areas to explore. Dark Souls takes place in large and continuous open areas connected through a central hub. The player character can travel between areas and explore various paths at will, although prerequisites have to be met to unlock certain areas. Mm. You know, one of them, the major one that people know, is you have to ring the two bells to have the big, cool, giant guy pull the gate open yes. to go get serpented and just have serpents constantly serpent you, <laughs> as serpents do. That's the actual term that they say in the game. You got serpented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't say, it doesn't say you're dead, just serpented. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, there's various things like that, and the game doesn't really handhold you towards those things. It'll no. slowly guide you, and if you talk to some of the NPCs, they'll say, hey, you got to ding those bells. Hey, one's up top, one's below. You know, they'll give you, yeah. like, various clues of kind of where you have to go. And a central element to the gameplay of Dark Souls is that bonfire. Yes. Bonfires are scattered throughout the world and serve as checkpoints for each level. By resting at a bonfire, the player character is healed to full and regains all of the healing charges of their Estus Flask, which is this portable drink that you have that allows you to heal up a percent of your health, and you Mm -hmm. can upgrade it to heal even more. Yeah. They can also level up and perform other functions, such as attuning magic and repairing and upgrading equipment. However, resting at bonfires also respawn all of the world's enemies, except for bosses, mini-bosses, and friendly, non-playable characters. So if you kill NPCs... Or if someone else does, they won't come back. Yeah. Uh, Which is a very interesting part of the game because the NPCs, some of them are helpful in certain ways. Some are needed to keep a bonfire lit. Like you have uh, these these fire keepers, these bonfire keepers. Mm -hmm. And if you kill them, your bonfire goes out. You can't relight it. Yeah. But some of them will have fire keeper uh, souls, which you can use to upgrade your Estus flask, your healing, mm-hmm. to heal more. So it's like a trade-off. And it's interesting, too, because they don't explain that. Again, let's just say this is the game that doesn't explain anything. Yeah. But you just experiment to find out. Mm-hmm. The player character's interaction with the world of Dark Souls includes a great deal of combat. Combat includes melee attacks, various forms of defense maneuvering, such as parrying, rolling, dodging, mm-hmm. blocking, and magical abilities. For melee attacks, player characters have access to a wide array of high-fantasy medieval-style weaponry, including swords, spears, and maces, as well as fantastical weaponry such as magical swords, huge great swords, giant clubs, uh, and even specialty weapons that have imbued with lightning or fire or poison Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that you can get from slaying bosses, mini-bosses, or, as I had said, those NPCs that are around. For defense, player characters have access to shields, armor, dodging, or parrying. For magic, which includes a wide variety of offensive and defensive abilities known as sorceries, miracles, and pyromancies, player characters do not use any form of mana or mana, as in most other fantasy RPGs, 
Instead, you have a very specific number of uses. Mm-hmm. Harkening back to more of D&D. Yes. Where, you know, for your magic missile, you can only use it so many times per day. This is that same idea of it. Yes. You know, because I know we started in our latest playthrough as a cleric, so we started with a heal spell that only has five charges. Uh, and we can refill that the same as we do the Estus, the same as we do everything else, by uh, resting at a bonfire. Yeah. These various forms of combat all have trade-offs, variations, and in-game costs associated with them. And they can all be buffed or altered in some fashion through leveling, smithing, consumable items, magical rings, and new equipment. So this is really where the gameplay gets you in there and has you experiment with what you have. Yeah. You know, like right now, my character, I use a mace and a halberd. With the mace, it's more of like a broad left and right swing. Mm -hmm. It does less damage than the halberd and obviously has less range, but the halberd is more of a pokey pokey, Mm -hmm. straightforward. And as far as, you know, your melee combat, you have a light swing and a heavy swing. Yes. And all of that will take stamina, which you can, again, upgrade at the bonfire. The other thing you can do, so you can obviously block with a shield, or you can two-hand your weapon. It does much more damage, and you can still block, but the block lets some damage through Mm -hmm. as more, you know, fantastical RPGs. Yeah, and and you're relying more on instead of trying to dodge and roll and parry. Yes, much much more of that. And the parries are interesting, too, because what you have to figure out with all of your different enemies is their striking styles. Yes. Are they fast? Is like this wind up going to be like a one, two, three hit? Or is it just a, a back and then forth? Yeah, and, and sometimes as well, it's just strike, strike, strike. Like, everyone's different. But, mm-hmm. but if you can't get those parries down, it can just be that, that one-time encounter. Boom, you're done. Move on. It's that opener. So with, mm-hmm. with parries and as well as backstabs, uh, they do the same, I believe, the same amount of damage where you s- stun the target or sneak up on a target and you do... I guess you can call it a finisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you basically strike them down and do a large chunk of damage yes. that will then send them to the ground, gives you the upper hand, but those backstabs and parries can also be done to you as you mm-hmm. start to discover more human-like characters later in the game, whether it's these major knights or some of these assassins that you find near like the uh, painted room or like, near the big painting that you go into mm-hmm. with the de- with the, the dead dragon. Uh, but <laughs> So you'll find more of that where... The challenge, again, is not leveling, but it's ramping up and understanding what your enemies do and the abilities they give. Mm-hmm. So I, I really love that they've added all this in there. And then we'll touch on miracles and all of that just a little bit. That is obviously the magic side of it. And yeah. those can be anything from show me the path of where to go. So that's really the only one in the game that will kind of do that because it kind of mm-hmm. gives you a marker of where you should be going. Yeah. And it's an ability. Uh, you get some poison resist ones. You know, you get R's that's ridiculous, like a Fusro Da, and you basically just, like, <laughs> launch people. It does no damage, but you can push them off ledges. So there's there's plenty of ways to play this, and we've seen it to where some people just go fully naked because you're the quickest mm. at that point, or you can go fully armored up where you're slow and sluggish and roll slow, mm-hmm. but you're armored. Yes. So there's plenty of ways to play Dark Souls, and I would say if you haven't played it, or even if you have, it's fun to try out that different thing. Yeah. Were you always just the buff boy with a club? Mm-hmm. Try out being ranged and kind of sneaky with it. Or try yeah. out really being a pyromancer and using all of that magic. So plenty of ways to play it. Plenty of options to go with. Just let me know what you want Jesse to play. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I'm not the biggest fan of the gameplay because I suck at it. But mm-hmm. I love the story of this game. Long ago, dragons once ruled the world. 
a world that was only a fog. Eventually, fire would appear in the ancient bowels of the earth. Three beings would find the Lord souls in the fire. Nido with the soul of the dead, the witch of Isolith and her daughters of chaos with the soul of life, and Gwyn, Lord of Sunlight, who claimed the soul of sunlight. Another soul was found by the furtive pygmy, but this was forgotten by most. These three, along with the help of the dragon Seath, defeated all of the dragons who ruled the world. This brought in the Age of Fire. The fire would start to die out, and with this, humanity would rise. Gwyn chose to sacrifice himself to the fire in order to keep the Age of Fire going. This would lead to humanity suffering from the undead curse, meaning that they were never truly dead and would eventually turn into wandering, mindless hollows. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, this opening cinematic and cutscene are beautiful. The, the visuals are awesome. It's done well, and I believe that they actually, I think they built their own mocap studio just for the cutscene. Because mm-hmm. they wanted to they wanted to get the story across or the lore, you know, like the because this is kind of the start of Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the idea of forging multiple powers to take control of something mm-hmm. and keep balance. But as one of the balances, you know, goes out of whack, mm, tips the scale, tips the scale. And we see what kind of happens with, you know, our undead, our hollowed, our player character and why we get involved mm-hmm. with it. Mm hmm. The game starts with the chosen undead rotting in a cell, when a body is dropped down by the knight Oscar. From there, they receive a jail cell key and work to break out of the prison, leaving the undead asylum. Before you leave the asylum, though, you meet Oscar, who had freed you. He is beginning to hollow since you find him sitting down. He's he's injured, and he gives you the Estus flask. Mm-hmm. The chosen undead defeats, you know, or you as the player defeats the asylum demon and makes their way to Firelink Shrine via a giant crow. And this is the minute tutorial. So they have like little sections you can look on the yeah. ground, uh, which is this is where the multiplayer later comes in a lot. Is mm-hmm. you can do these etchings on the ground that other players can look at. That's like strong boss ahead. Jump here to usually troll yeah. people to jump off the ledge. <laughs> but these are at the start to kind of get you used to that because mm-hmm. it's like use this button to parry. Use this yeah. button to light strike. Well, I, th- I think at one point is that when you're about to get ready to get shot with arrows, it says watch out. And then and there's something along those lines and something comes at you. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So because it's like around a corner. So a mm-hmm. lot of that happens. And this is also where you can first really die to a boss and not understand. Because uh, the first time you see the asylum demon is... Uh, before, yeah, it's before you meet back up with your friend who's obviously uh-huh. dying because you open the door and it's just this big dude. And, this- it, it, and it's just like, yeah, you see another door, but you you don't think at first. You're like, yeah. maybe do I fight? Like, what do I do? Like, luckily my buddy was there to go, no, 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 run to that door. Yeah, because I think all you have at that point is just like a broken blade, like nothing mm-hmm. really going mm-hmm. on, and you're right there fighting him. So it's that first idea of it to think differently in a game, like, Oh, it's a boss battle. I should fight boss. No, think better. Think of strategies and ideas to use with it. Yeah, and and that's the answer to Dark Souls. Yeah, it's uh, a very creative tutorial. Mm-hmm. From there, the chosen undead must ring the two bells in Lordran. You know the setting of the game's world. Afterwards, they meet the serpent king seeker Frompt in the Firelink Shrine, who instructs them that they must go to Anar Londo, the game's you know home of the gods. There, the player meets Guinevere, who instructs them to collect the souls of the Witch of Isolith, 
Nito, the Four Kings, and Seath the Scaleless. So, you know, these are all the same characters that helped take over the world from the dragons. Now you have to go toe to toe with each and every one of them. Yeah, it's to basically either bring in you know a, a different age, or to see why this power or or not power is corrupting them, mm-hmm. or really why you're even on this journey. Like, why exactly. is everyone electing you to do this, and and you're trying to understand it? And you're just like shrugs. I don't know. Sure, I, I like <laughs> I like doing the kill. <laughs> Once these souls are all collected, the player can face Gwyn once and for all, and, and you know fight him and defeat him. And this is where, after you've collected all of them, the player can face Gwyn, Lord of Sunlight, and take his place, fulfilling, you know, the prophecy of the Age of Fire. Once the Chosen Undead defeats Gwyn, they have two choices. They can sacrifice themselves, like Gwyn did, and keep the flame from dying and, you know, prevent that Age of Darkness. Or let the flame die, become the Dark Lord, and let the Age of Darkness come in full force. Regardless of what the player does, however, the opposite of their actions will happen once again with an endless cycle. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's as well as Miyazaki's kind of look on the world. Like no matter what, it's it, the thing you don't want to happen is going to happen. It'll happen no matter what. It's mm-hmm. cyclical. So if, if mm-hmm. you're looking to bring in this dark age and bring this heat, you will eventually be defeated and the, the age of light will come again. Yes. It's cyclical. It always will be. You cannot stop it. It's just the nature of things mm-hmm. or fate. Or just how everything works, I guess is the best yes, way to describe it. Yes, yes, And I really like that. I really like that. It's an interesting story. Yeah. It's very, like I said, it's very Lord of the Ringsy, high fantasy in mm-hmm. that like all these great powers, you have to defeat them to then yourself become the greatest power of kind of good or evil. That's a very, very just watered down way to say it, but yeah. kind of good or evil. And to show that no matter what, your choices did not matter. Exactly. You doing all this did not matter. And I guess what didn't matter was some of the cut stuff. <laughs> but let's talk about what they took out and what either made its way into later games or we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest piece of cut content was the DLC Artorius of the Abyss, which was originally going to be its own section in the game. It was originally cut due to the studio simply not having enough time to implement it. Yeah, so it wasn't going to be just a DLC. It was going to be just an area. A full area. Mm-hmm. This would not be the only area in the game that was cut or changed. The Firelink Shrine, for example, was originally going to be a water temple. Additionally, Shiva of the East had a painted world that the player would have been able to enter after Shiva stole the Chaos Blade from them. Some players have been able to hack into the game and actually play through that event. There were many characters and enemies cut from the final build of the game, but there are two that stand out. The first being the undead king Jarl Eel, This boss would have used unique weapons and would have stolen players' soul levels. Supposedly, he was cut because he looked too much like a Final Fantasy anime character that took you out of this high fantasy. Well, a lot of the bosses, you don't exactly see their faces. Yes. And it's not humanoid if you do. This one, it was literally kind of looked like a Final Fantasy character. Yeah, because all the other ones, they have more of the Dark Souls humanity-ishness to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Like... You know, even the spider lady. I don't remember anyone's name, so don't don't come at me for this. I remember the bed of chaos only because we literally just talked about it. But yeah, spider lady, because you see her and you see her sister later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even like all, a lot of the knights you fight later in the game, like you see their face and can talk with them. So there's yeah. there's bits of it, but for the most part, even a lot of the NPCs you talk to are fully have a full helmet mm-hmm. or fully guided. One, easier to design. <laughs> so it doesn't make faces <laughs> for everybody. But it definitely changes it up in keeping them 
grounded. This was yes. just kind of over the top hair, craziest mm-hmm. Seth Ross mm-hmm. type deal that didn't work. Exactly. But secondly, there's Oscar, the night at the beginning of the game that gifted you with the Estes flask. Originally, he was going to escape from the asylum, and after aiding you throughout certain parts of the campaign, would have become the final boss. Ah. So, kind of cliche, where it's like, you're both going to, I guess, fight Gwen, and he's Uh like, I will now be the Dark Lord. Uh And you fight in the Shadow Realm, and then Yugi Moto comes and banishes (laughs) everybody. So, unfortunately, or fortunately, we didn't have that. And then, the other thing that's not cut, but I think needs to be the age-old argument. Who really rescued you? Was it Oscar or mm-hmm. was it the Asylum Demon? Here's the thing. Oscar wouldn't have had that hole to drop you the key down if the Asylum Demon didn't cause that hole. Hmm. That's true. Chicken or the egg? <laughs> he might have just, you know, went to the front door and thrown it to you. Chicken or the egg? <laughs> <laughs> and then one little tidbit, I guess, to add in. It was Namco Bandai pitched a mobile version of the game to From Software, but they just turned the idea down Imagine. and just thought... A mobile Dark Souls. No, I can't imagine it because I've watched plenty of Dark Souls speedruns and playthroughs. People will play it. (laughs) People will do anything with this game. True, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, we did talk about some cut material for the DLC, Atorius of the Abyss, but let's actually talk about its creation itself. Now, there was no planned DLC for the game originally, but with the demand for a PC port of the game, from software and Namco Bandai set their eyes on you know additional content. There were suspicions that the DLC content was cut from the original game, but that's not the case. You know, all the content in the DLC is completely new ideas and concepts that came from the studio post-launch. Minus just they the thought about a different. It. Yeah, they had an idea, but then they cut it. But now they're like, okay, let's run with just this really simple idea. Yeah, because because to go back and to reiterate this thing. They were going to put this stuff in the game. They're going to build an area for it. However, on paper, it was scrapped. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like this was a chunk already done mm-hmm. that they just like, here's a DLC key to unlock it. It was, no, they had to actually go in and fully code it and build something out of it. And I think Namco was like, hey, let's make a little cash money while you're doing this port because mm-hmm. that's going to cost us some money. So it's, okay, we had this idea lying around in in a a way, but we can build it. Yeah, because they did throw the idea around for DLC during development, uh, but they just did not pursue it at the time because, as you said, it just did not work on paper. Mm -hmm. From Software had to figure out where the new content would fit in the current setting of Dark Souls, so they decided to have the DLC set two to 300 years before the events of the base game. The DLC was released first for PC August 24th, 2011 for free, and then for console October 23rd, 2012 for Mm $14.99. And the DLC, you, the Chosen Undead, are sent back in time in the land of Ulusil, taken there by a creature called Manus, father of the Abyss. The knight Artorius was sent to slay Manus. He was too weak to resist the dark onslaught, though, and became possessed. He was only able to save his wolf, Sif. The player must make their way through the world, slaying all on their path, eventually defeating not only Artorius, but Manus as well. R.I.P. Sif. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's one of those, um, the DLC you can play during the, the main campaign, and then if you save Sif, and then you find Sif later in the game... Sif recognizes you two to three hundred years later, mm-hmm. and it puts a lot more weight to that battle because because yep. Sif is not really a bad 
boss. Sif is just guarding. Sif its... is not really bad guy, just bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it, Sif is just guarding its boss, its master's grave. And yeah, then, it, so it's kind of sad because Sif sniffs you and like gets sad, but knows we got to do this. We, we got to do it. I, I I love this. Sif is like such an odd boss fight because it's just a wolf, a giant wolf with a sword in its mouth. Sif's great. <laughs> rip, rip Sif. Yeah, RIP. Uh, let's go back to the multiplayer. Let's talk more in depth about it. You know, we mm-hmm, talked about mm-hmm. what it ta- what it took to make it and why they kind of put it back in there. But another aspect of Dark Souls uh, is the humanity system. So there are two forms that the player character can be in during the game: human form or hollow form. Whenever the player character dies in human form, they return to hollow form and can only have their humanity restored by consuming a humanity. So you find humanities yeah. on dead enemies, in certain areas and chests, and what you'll do is you'll consume it, it'll heal you to full health, and then at your bonfire, you need to then offer up that humanity, and then it makes you human again. Mm-hmm. The player character must be in human form to summon other players, to summon NPCs that can help you with bosses, but also to be invaded. While in human form, the player may be subjected to those invasions by other players and NPCs who seek to kill the player to restore their humanity, harvest souls, or achieve some other goal. Just being an asshole. Essentially, yeah. Humanity can be acquired in many ways, and if no humanity is available, players are still able to progress in hollow form. Death results in the loss of all carried souls and humanity, but... Players revive as hollows at their most recent bonfire with one chance at returning to where they died to recover all lost souls and humanity. If the player dies before reaching their bloodstain or their grave or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, the souls and humanity they previously accrued are permanently lost and your new gravesite or new bloodstain is where you just died. Yes. So it's one of those things where it's, it's it happens to everybody. You're sitting with like 60K souls being like, I should have spent those but let me go back to the area I was, Mm -hmm. and then some dumb drop skeleton or some really idiotic thing happens to you. You fall off a ledge. Yeah, (laughs) I have done that. And you die, and you're like, well, well. At least they they give you one chance. They're like, all right, we're giving you one chance. You're probably not going to make it, but we're going to give you one chance. But at least you got something. Yeah. So communication and interaction between players are deliberately restricted. Outside of some character gestures, the only other communication players have with one another comes by way of orange soapstones, which allow players to write preset phrases that can be read by others in the same area. Also, players can enter cooperative or player-versus-player combat with each other. Throughout the game, there are multiple NPCs that the player may encounter on their journey. These characters add to the plot of the game but are not essential. Yeah. If the player does choose to engage with them, some of the characters can assist the player by being able to be summoned for certain boss fights when the player character is in human form. So let's talk about, you know, the, if we go into like the moth battle kind of in mm-hmm. the forest, you know, you can summon uh, a secret mage that you like knock these bushes out and you find that you can summon them there. Mm-hmm. When you're fighting uh, one of the golems, you have to go across an area in the castle and you can summon someone there. So it's really cool that every, I think every boss, I may be wrong, but I believe almost every boss, if not every boss, has an option to summon someone. But it's it, different areas or different ways to to get their soapstones mm-hmm. and to be able to summon them over to your game or you know your instance to help yeah. you fight. A lot of times, if you're just trying to cheese a little bit, they're really good. Yeah. And I usually let just let them handle it. I, just, mm-hmm. I, I point. I go, that's good. You're do, you know what? And I do a little jump. You're doing great. 
Yeah, essentially a lot of games. Yeah, if you let the NPCs just take the brunt of the damage mm-hmm. first uh, or just be a distraction, that's usually ideal. It definitely helps, especially because I'm not good at the game. So having that helps a lot, too. Even if it just mm-hmm. takes off a quarter of the mm-hmm. health, it's a quarter you don't have to deal with. Uh, yeah, just any amount of work that I don't have to do, I don't want to do. Hey, I'm all there for you. <laughs> so, yes, that's really where the multiplayer comes in. And and you can go in offline mode if you want. Mm-hmm. If you're just If you don't want to deal with it and you just kind of want to stay with that, there's an option to go with that. Uh, but if you do get invaded, you have an option to you know deal with them, or there are items that help you to either invade other people or to help banish people from your, your area. Mm-hmm. So if you want to deal with it, you can actually just use some items to, to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the multiplayer aspect for the game did keep it pretty fresh, but was also a standout element for me is the music and the sound. Yeah, the sound 100%. The soundscape and sound design is done so well in this. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these, too, you, you can just hear it off screen. No, that's Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the Dark Souls original soundtrack was composed by Motoi Sakuraba, who joined the From Software team after Shinsuke Kida did not return for production of the Demon Soul successor. Despite being very well known at the time for his work on Tales of Fantasia, Star Ocean, and Valhalla Knights, Elder Saga, Sakuraba was self-taught compositionally. This, combined with a background of performing in rock bands and writing rock-influenced soundtracks, made many developers worry about Sakuraba staying true to Kita's style from the Demon Soul soundtrack. However, Sakuraba would go on to exceed their expectations. Sakuraba dove headfirst into the project with almost no prior research, working closely with Miyazaki to create the best music possible without breaking the game's atmosphere. Despite some of the usual trials and errors that happen when working on a collaborative project, Sakuraba's writing process during the project was nearly foolproof. First, Sakuraba would come up with the idea for a theme with much of Dark Souls music coming to him while he was in the shower. As as all of our great ideas do. <laughs> it's that or when you were about to fall asleep and then the idea comes to you and you're like, I have to get up and write gotta this the, down. Gotta have the whole journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After Sakuraba got out of the shower, the theme was written out using a soft synthesizer and orchestrated for more instruments. He would then re-record the orchestrated theme, phrase by phrase, with live instruments at the studio. Now, Sakuraba initially had some trouble matching the orchestral style of Kida, but had an easier time writing some of the music in a more progressive way. Because the game was darker in nature compared to Demon's Souls, Dark Souls needed to use the same musical textures as its predecessor, while still having new material. The boss music is louder and more energetic compared to Demon's Souls, featuring a large testura or comfortable pitch range with vocal lines to better reflect the great stakes of the fight. Parts of Dark Souls takes place during the past, so the music also needed to sound more ancient compared to the previous game. Much of this progressive change was done through making the music sound like it came from Europe's early medieval period rather than the later Baroque. This can especially be heard with the use of primeval choirs, echoing centuries of history and culture while still evoking mysticism. Oh, I love the choirs in this because they're so evil sounding. It's done so well. And nearly all music within the game is heard during the boss fights besides several important places in game that have passive music playing, such as uh, the Firelink Shrine. Mm -hmm. The audio team led by Yuji Takanochi wanted the sound design of the game to stand out, letting the lonely atmosphere of Dark Souls inhabit the player's speakers. You know, as we had just said, 
a lot of that music was more the tense boss fights, chilling at the Firelink Shrine, mm-hmm. you know, kind of hearing a little bit at the start of some of the areas. But for the most part, it's the clinking of your armor or hearing some skeletons walk around. And it's echoes. And, and echoes. And big areas as well. And it's, and it's done so well to make it feel so lonely. Mm-hmm. But also really needing that sound to hear the enemies and know what's going on. Yes. That is integrated into the game. You know, enemies mm-hmm. can hear your footsteps. That's why you need to creep around. And that's why you can actually get this serpent ring that actually takes your footsteps away. Mm-hmm. So you can be a sneaky boy <laughs> trying to get those chests that are just accidentally mimics. Director Yui Tanamura would give insight on this decision made throughout all of the Dark Souls games during an interview with Destructoid. Quote, because this game involves paying so much attention to your environment, to your surroundings, not just visually, but with sound, we felt that the implementation of music outside of the boss battles would get in the way of the actual strategizing throughout the game. I feel that being able to really immerse yourself and dive deep into the actual world as if you're the character themselves, we thought the music would get in the way of that. But for the boss battles, the music obviously helps pump up the situation. Well, especially the first time you see a boss, it's chaotic seeing the boss, but then the music just kind of like hits you in the side of the head. And it's like jarring at first with the music and the boss going on. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be a battle. Yeah, it's so much to take in, like visually, sound texture-wise, just everything that goes with it, especially if you get one of those quick bosses that's immediately attacking as soon as you come through the fog. Mm -hmm. Insane. Yeah. Another reason the game's sound design stands out is because the thoughtfulness put into creating every single sound heard within the game. Besides the sound feeling otherworldly and behaving in ways that the player would not expect, special care was given in using the entire spatial areas of the game soundscape. Characters' dialogue seems supernaturally disconnected from the world thanks with a heavy use of reverb and placing the voices at a certain distance away. An example of this is with the fully armored character Sigmire of Katarina, a.k.a. the Onion Man. His voice sounds hollow and far away, just like the normal voice you know, would be within a giant metal helmet. This effect was achieved through removing higher frequencies as they might be absorbed naturally from the metal armor in a process called occlusion. After this, the sound engineers added and took away reverb to give Siegmeier of Katarina a more accurate spatial location based on the sound's decay. And I will say, the, the voice acting is awesome in yeah. this game. And basically what this means is with the helmet, it obviously bounces that sound around within the helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just sounds very tinny on the outside. It sounds like he's far away, giving yeah. a reverby bass. So that's why when you're talking to people who are fully masked up or have a full helmet, it sounds like it's like, it sounds odd at first. You're like, oh, that's kind of bad sound recording. But understanding that they went for like the most realistic aspect of talking through a helmet and trying yeah. to understand it. Well, a lot of games you know, at the time weren't doing that. If they were wearing a full uh, helmet, it didn't sound like they were talking through a helmet. It just sounded like they were. there was nothing in the way of their mouth. Yeah, nothing that really occluded anything or took away from the sound escaping. They just still sounded as cool as they were. Mm-hmm. Part of what makes the audio so unique to Dark Souls is that the audio team took unconventional sounds and mixed them in with ambience to create a feeling of suspense and loneliness that lasts throughout the entire game. Matt Duffer, creator of the hit series Stranger Things, would be inspired by Dark Souls sounds, stating, quote, There's something about when you're playing Dark Souls. Immediately, when you're in that world, it has to do with the imagery. It has to do with the sound design. And you're just immediately very uncomfortable and on edge. Can confirm, I'm on edge anytime I play that game. 
You're just on edge all the time. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> One aspect the audio team and Sakuraba came together to implement was an ending song featuring a popular vocalist. Portal, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and many other video games at the time of the Dark Souls production had also included a vocal piece at the end of their games, usually within the credits. The audio team and Sakuraba wanted to jump aboard this trend by inviting Emmy Evans, the vocalist from Nier, to perform on the track Longing. Set apart from the other games with more conventional lyricized tracks, however, Longing features Evans singing over top of a grandiose orchestra using simple syllables such as ah and oh and, you know, more vowel-y things. Mm-hmm. It's just more like it, she's just producing the notes mm-hmm. rather than the lyrics. Yeah, going along with it to have this vocal accompaniment. Yes. That that added to it that wasn't just a standout like, oh, it's her. It's, oh, it's bringing it with it and, and filling mm-hmm. the void and, mm-hmm. and filling a piece that needed to be filled. Yeah. The Dark Souls original soundtrack released on September 22nd, 2011 on most music streaming platforms, containing 31 tracks for a total of 96 minutes and 33 seconds. The orchestra and choir were recorded live at Sound Inn Studios in Tokyo, Japan, while all voiceovers were done in London, England. Sakuraba would return to write the music for all the game's DLC expansions, and in 2019, a Dark Souls trilogy soundtrack would be released as part of a vinyl box set with only 2,000 copies of the trilogy box set being produced. No. <laughs> Don't even ask the question. I do not own this one either. I own nothing. I will say this soundtrack is great because, you know, we talked about a, a, a core part of it is the boss battle. Mm-hmm. Tracks that are very chaotic, but something that always stood out with me is your battle with Gwyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just this somber, sad piano it piano is. piece that plays. It's one that's not like it's not like fighting any of the earlier bosses. It, to me, all the earlier bosses are like and like yeah, just, the, the chaos, the orchestra, the horns all coming in. But as you get to like the later ones, you start to not not, not just wrap up the game, but like you're coming to like the end of kind of your livelihood. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost telling of it. Yeah. So it always stood out to me just hearing this like piano play, and that's it. Like a beautiful piece as you're like fighting mm-hmm. this guy to kind of decide the fate of the world. Like it's crazy and I think it sticks out so much. Another thing that sticks out for me because I talked about earlier, if you hear the sound, you know it's that game. It is the sound of when you die where it's kind of like it's – the best way for me to describe it is like a demonic like water drip echo mm-hmm. that whoa, 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 when you die. Yeah. It's reminiscent to the wasted sound in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> like, because you know, if you hear either of those, yeah. that's the death note for you, that game. You know, you what know it, it is. Yeah. You know it from hearing it at the outside. And so I think Dark Souls is one of those games that will go down as a such a soundscape. Because mm-hmm. to me, like, the ones, the games that I can easily stand out, it's because I played them as a kid, but I think they do it so well is Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those popular ones. They have recognizable noises with almost everything they do. Yes. And you see a lot more games doing that, really putting it in, really feeding you those sounds. You know exactly where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's that cool standout for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, but, fun trivia for you guys. Yeah, fun trivia. But overall, phenomenal soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Take a listen to it. That I don't own. <laughs> Sadly. And then, you know, moving on, let's touch on the release versions of the game. So when it first came out, it came out on PS3 and the Xbox 360. Next is what we already talked about was the PC version or Prepare to Die edition. And then next is the Collector's Edition. Now, this edition of the game would come with an exclusive cover, limited edition art book, strategy guide, the soundtrack, and behind-the-scenes videos. 
though all these would also be included in the metal case of the game as long as one pre-ordered it. Mm -hmm. Next, we had the remaster released May 24th, 2018. This version of the game was more than a remaster, but a number of changes were made to the game as well, like the max amount of players changing from four to six and how some enemies and weapons work. It would not take long, though, for hackers to come in and create modified attacks that would grant them instant kills against other players. Sad times. Sad times all around. But what's not sad is the Switch remaster. <laughs> it's just so weird hearing, you know, Dark Souls on a Switch. Hey, it's the best system out there. This version released October 19th, 2018, after being delayed from its May release date, from its May release date due to unknown reasons. It would also come with a Solaire of Estora Amiibo. Mm -hmm. When docked, it runs at 1080, 30 frames per second. When handheld at 720 at 30. You have the Japanese Trilogy box set. This box set contains all three Dark Souls, so the remaster, two, and three. Mm -hmm. All three soundtracks, an encyclopedia for each game, a print, and bookends that are modeled after a night by a bonfire. And the U.S. Trilogy set. This would only contain the first three games, so the Dark Souls Remaster 2 and 3, in a steel book. Originally, the U.S. set was going to be the same as the Japanese set, but everything else that was included has been reduced to a digital form. So you do get the art book, the strategy guide music, but digitally. Mm -hmm. It was released October 19th, 2018 for $80, compared to the Japanese set, which cost about $450. Mm -hmm. Going into general reception and, and you know reaction, I want to start it out with a quote from Miyazaki. I created Dark Souls while thinking about what type of game I would personally like to play. I wanted someone to bring out a really sadistic game, but I ended up having to make it myself. We see that a lot where it's, you know, I created this game because it's a game I just wanted to play. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I had a studio to go make the game for me. Yep. Souls games are notoriously buggy at times, with poor texture loading, low frame rates, and AIs not acting how they usually do when the going gets tough. These have led to deaths in the game that were not due to the player's skills, instead due to the game's technical shortcomings when things got too busy. This almost became a trademark for From Software Games. When Dark Souls was released in Japan, the game would freeze at the main screen when attempting online play. Another glitch is that a lot of times the floor disappears from you know a good portion of the game, but some players simply see this as a greater challenge. The laundry list of bugs would worry Miyazaki so much that he felt the studio may not get an opportunity to develop another Souls game, stating, quote, Yes, there were technical difficulties. I don't believe that it's okay to have them, but realistically speaking, it was quite a large-scale game, even in terms of budget and expectations. So we're very sorry for the trouble we've caused by our processing errors and bugs from Japan. Dark Souls was not only a commercial success in copies sold, but in profit as well, since the studio is able to develop the game with a low budget compared to most AAA titles. In only one week, and in only one week, Dark Souls would outsell Demon Souls. In the Japanese market, the game would sell 275,000 plus copies a few days after its release, compared to Demon's Souls only selling 40,000 copies in Japan. It also outsold Eco and Shadow of Colossus for the PS3 remakes that were released the same week. By March 2012, in the US and Europe, the game sold over 1.9 million copies less than a year after launch, becoming the highest grossing game from Namco Bandai that year. By April 2013, the game had sold 2.3 million copies worldwide, and the PC version sold 
around 300,000 copies. The Dark Souls series as a whole has sold over 27 million copies worldwide. I think people like the game. It's a good game. (laughs) If one were to look into how to easily defeat the boss, the battle itself is not too terribly hard. Some fans are criticized for cheesing enemies and bosses to their deaths, but From Software made it clear that they designed the game that way. It is just another strategy for players to use. Miyazaki regrets, however, making the final boss battle with Gwyn easy to exploit with the parry system, though, because you can just parry him, stab, parry, stab, mm-hmm. parry, stab. Uh, there's plenty of other bosses you can cheese off. You know, like the, Asyl- the-, the Asylum Demon is one of the first ones that you kind of get that or get an idea of mm-hmm. a cheese strat, which is jumping down. It's built in, jumping down, stabbing him. You yeah, know, half the health is gone. Or well, a portion of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get a portion of the health gone from those. And you can do that through a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. like through the, it's either the Capra, I think it's the, yeah, both of them. The Taurus Demon, you can climb a ladder, jump down, mm-hmm. climb the ladder, jump down, yeah. cheese it that way. With the Capra Demon, same thing, you can go on a ledge and jump down. Yeah. Well, I've also seen with the the Minotaur Demon that people just get it to jump off the ledge. Yeah, you, Essentially, just, have, you yeah. just have it like fall off. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Iron Golem. Once you knock it down on a leg, it just kind of like crouches down and then just goes, tips over mm-hmm. if it's close enough to the ledge. Speedrun strats all day. Uh, so, yes, there's been plenty of things with that. And I think that's what makes the game charming. And what really – and I like that they embrace that. Yeah, they, they don't care. They're not like, well, this is the true way to do it. They're like, no. If you finish the game and you're working within the exploits of the game – Great job. So, yeah. yeah. You, you finish the game. That's all we care about is that you finished it. Yeah, and you played it your way and, and mm-hmm. got through it. And Because they don't – there is a set path you somewhat have to take, like we had said, to open certain areas or to pro- progress. Yes. Everything else, though, you do what you want. Exactly. With Dark Souls being such a notoriously difficult game, Miyazaki supposedly stated that he was considering adding an easy mode to the game in an interview with Metro. Publisher Namco Bandai would later claim that the statement was a translation mistake. What Miyazaki was stating was that he wanted everyone to complete the game that maintained the difficulty. The game was not too terribly difficult for some players, and some have found unique ways to play the game. Mm-hmm. Some of these methods include using only punching, uh, so you know they're, they're not using any weapons whatsoever in the game, Yep. using voice commands, using a rock band controller, using a steering wheel controller, playing the game upside down, mouse only, a DDR pad only, twitch commands, which is something that Miyazaki himself had, had witnessed yeah. for a while, and playing with rock band drums. One player, you know, the Happy Hob, has even completed all three games without taking a single hit. Miyazaki, however, does not believe it. He streamed it, so. I'm saying he he just said, I don't believe it. There's an archive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, he refuses to watch it. Yeah, they, they have that archive. You guys should mm-hmm. watch that one on YouTube, which is actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's, it's crazy, too, because Jesse can't even do it uh, with Well, I can't do it either, but. But let's just keep picking on Jesse. Jesse can't do it with a regular controller. Uh, yeah, with my dumb hands and brain that can't make it work. I've got, got my dumb hands on. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the fact that people are like, there are people who have mastered this game. Yes. So like, how do we make this harder? And then they're like, <laughs> steering wheel, rock band, upside down? It's pretty great. And the rock band drums were a huge thing last year in 2020. Oh, yeah. Like, Call of Duty players, Rainbow Six players were playing with drums. Interesting. Um, that was interesting to see. Like, little clips of them, like, lining up in Rainbow Six and then, like, pop, 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 getting, like, a triple kill. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, get out of here. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. It's interesting to see a community that's so die hard 
that loves the game but wants that extra bit of challenge. They've already mm-hmm. kind of exhausted the challenge. They know how to cheese things. They know where to go. You know, because, again, this was supposed to be a 60-hour game. Yeah. You know, I've seen people stream it, you know, get an hour 20, an hour 30, 50 minutes, two hours, you know, to go through it because they know exactly where to exploit. They know who they have to kill, what they yeah. have to do. And I just love that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool that people are kind of jumping in and adding more to it. Mm-hmm. Sony president Shuhei Yoshida loved Demon Souls and Dark Souls so much that he implemented the multiplayer aspect of the game into the PlayStation 4. The feature that allowed streaming and sharing in the PS4 was a direct inspiration from those two games. Yoshida has also stated that he would love another Demon Souls game. I mean, technically he got one. <laughs> Dark Souls was so popular in Japan that there is a Dark Souls cafe that opened up temporarily to promote the second release uh, from the series. This cafe, which is an Australian-themed The Oz Cafe, served Dark Souls-flavored you know, drinks and food, whatever that means. Miyazaki is well known for his love of board games and has even expressed that he would love to see Dark Souls as a board game, though he would not be a part of the project. Steamford Games decided to bring that game to tabletop. For funding, they started a Kickstarter to reach a goal of $70,832, and in just three minutes they reached that goal. The campaign ended with $5 million raised. The board game is like a standard dungeon crawler facing enemies as the player travels. It would play like the original game after defeating smaller enemies, the players return to their bonfire and spend their souls to upgrade their stats. Afterwards, they can fight mini-bosses and bosses. Who and what the player faces is customizable, though, since Steamford did not want the player to be tied down to their own version of the game. Players would, however, be able to lose in the board game. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a lot more of those board games crop up. We have a Bloodborne game. Mm-hmm. We have a lot that's coming out of that. And a lot of video games are doing these board games. We've seen the Binding of Isaac one. Yes. We've seen a Divinity Original Sin. So there's a lot to do with it to take those, especially a D&D game like this, take the D&D ideas of it, apply it to a board game that's its own unique element. Yeah. And be able to create your own story. So I, I think it's an ingenious idea. Absolutely. Now, Dark Souls' gimmick with death has become so popular that if one played the game on PC, they can see how many times they've died on DarkSoulsDeath.com. The average number of deaths for a player is 773 times. That's so crazy. I'm not even close to that. (laughs) I'm the best player ever. (laughs) The Dark Souls world inspired the Duffer Brothers when creating the Upside Down for season one of Stranger Things. We see that idea of just despair Mm -hmm. and destruction and death. Yes, And just, and even in the Upside Down, having almost devoid of sound except for different elements of like things moving or mm-hmm. you know the demigorgons moving around yeah or the echoes going is, is his on. name will the the uh, kid who gets trapped there mm-hmm. yes him complaining <laughs> so <laughs> so those are the things you yes. get in there they're like yeah well this will guy he complains a lot we pulled that from dark souls yeah put in dark souls <laughs> the game has also inspired video games such as control destiny neo and mortal shell Dark Souls Easter eggs can also be found in games such as Overwatch, Borderlands 2, Dishonored, Dead Cells, and many other AAA and indie titles. Yeah. The game has made it on the best video games list from Games Radar Plus, Polygon, and US Gamer, and has an 89 out of 100 score on Metacritic. And Demon's Souls had a slow start that turned into a cult classic. 
But that did not mean from software, including Miyazaki, expected Dark Souls to become an overnight success such as it did. Mm-hmm. Dark Souls is not just well known for its difficulty, but also for its immersive story, aesthetic, and gameplay. Demon Souls stuck from software on the map, but Dark Souls made the studio a household name. From the tedious mind of Miyazaki, Dark Souls was created to put the player into a fantasy world that captivated them, one death after another. No two regions feel the same, and each can be explored for hours. The story is not spoon-fed to the player either. You must take time to learn about it through the item descriptions and conversations with NPCs. Everything about Dark Souls is unconventional and niche. Yet players fell in love with the game seemingly overnight. The influence of Dark Souls and gaming culture cannot be measured, and to this day is a key source for inspiration for games being created for years to come. Somehow, a game that instructs you to prepare to die over and over again has become arguably one of the greatest action RPGs ever released. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. And Alex, I want you to tell us why we decided to cover this game. So, again, one of the major things that we have chosen when we're looking at these games is, one, interesting development. Mm -hmm. And this had it. Miyazaki pretty much running the show and creating this Souls series establishes a whole genre. I mean, yes. everyone knows Soulsborne as kind of this idea of the genre mm-hmm. of very hard games, taking the idea from old arcade styles, but moving it into a 3D, fully dimensional RPG mm-hmm. element. It's taking your, you know, that, that one friend you had that was way too hardcore into making sure that everyone died in their DM campaign of D&D. Mm-hmm. That's Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they're making here. And... It, Jumping back into it again and getting a full appreciation for it was amazing. Of just seeing the art style, uh, remember, you know, remembering those bits of like who to fight, what to go for, mm-hmm. and then watching through other videos of seeing people like, oh, they actually do kill that NPC because they want this and this item really early on yeah. to make this a little easier. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about that because I don't know what my NPCs do through this playthrough again. But as yeah. you as you go through and can see and can change the world around you based on those things and make sure that like all right, we're going to make sure we have electric for this fight because the mm-hmm. enemy's weak against that, as we've learned from just doing this. So having all of those into this game and making it challenging, but an interesting story with crazy sound design, infinite frustration, with satisfying payoff is really why we chose it. It's, it you all mm-hmm. know it's a cult classic. If you haven't played it, you know the name. It's there, it's established, and it's been established for years and years now. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know because it's... I don't know if some people will say it is one of the best games of all time. Other mm-hmm. people won't. I will say that it's for sure one of the most popular video games of all time, mm-hmm. in my opinion, especially for our generation. It was such a big deal when it came out. Like, same situation. I had a buddy who didn't play Demon Souls, but he did tell me about Dark Souls. Sure. He didn't initially tell me that it was a hard game. He's just like, oh, it's a cool RPG game. I was like, cool. Skeleton kills me immediately. And I was like, huh, Okay. Maybe that was just a weird fluke, and mm-hmm. then you know, I I I never finished the game, but I I know about the story and everything. I think it's a great game overall. I, the as I've I've said, the aesthetic, the story is beautiful. I love high fantasy games, mm-hmm. especially if they're done right and done differently. And this is so different than say like your Skyrim or your Oblivion or anything like that. It it's 
to me, they just went their own separate way with it, and they created their own world. Yeah. The development itself, as we had talked about, a lot of it was capitalizing on what worked well for Demon Souls and then improving on other things. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really glad that we did get not only Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, but really from software has definitely said this is our style. We saw Bloodborne afterwards. Uh, we then saw Sekiro, which at their core have this same concept. And then now we have El- uh, Elden Ring coming out as well, uh, which essentially a lot of people are saying it's it's going to be kind of same idea, super hard. You know, you definitely have to work with the controls very closely to take out those enemies. But they established that and popularized it with Dark Souls, you know, as we had said, Demon Souls put them on the map, but Dark Souls put them out there. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Miyazaki was able to convince his team to do a spiritual successor, not because it, of the game itself, but because the team trusted in him. Yeah. I think that's so cool. And a lot of times, you know, we've seen with the studios, they may not. There's a lot of games they don't want to work on, but just because they trust in him so much and how much he's moved up into the company. since Oh, then, yeah. Like, uh, isn't he the CEO now? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like he was uh, just kind of didn't even go to school for video games. And now is the CEO of this company because he's done so well in there. Well, he knows what he's doing. And that's the Mm -hmm. thing. Like he knows how to bring this to life. Yeah. And I think it's such a beautiful representation of his love for fantasy. And uh, it is a timeless game. And I think it will go down as one of the greatest, in my opinion, if there would be a grandiose top ten mm-hmm. uh, list, I think this would go on there. All right, cool. I, I uh, is that so? Yeah, I think so. You, you writing that to paper? I said if there would be a okay, list. Okay, okay. I'm not but, making the definitive list. Okay, but but you would say it should be there though. It should be there. I think so. Yeah. What's I think. Your, what's your rating? That's the thing. I what's I your rating. <laughs> let me clarify. I never said I said I like this game, mm-hmm. but it's not one of my favorite games, mm-hmm. but it is one of the better games out there. Uh-huh. You can appreciate a game without it being one of your favorite games. Oh, I agree. That's why I don't understand your rating system, but continue. That's fine cuz I'm going to give it 7.5 or 8 out of 10. I love the story, I love the visuals, and I've accepted a long time ago I'll probably never beat this game. I'm horrible at video games and this is one of those I I think I got to Blight Town. That's as far as I got. So 7.5 or 8 out of 10 for me, Dark Souls, that's what I give to you. But it's still one of the top 10 games of all time, is what you're saying? Yeah, that doesn't mean I have to like it. I'm saying... Oh, I, I never said you liked it. I'm just saying your rating system makes no sense. I mean, I, I do like the game, but I'm oh, saying I don't oh, have to... Is that so? I don't have to... It's not on my top 10 list, uh-huh. but I think generally it should be on the top 10 So list. I'm not really sure what your rating system is. That's... Are you rating this to be good? Are you rating this to be what you yeah. like? Yeah, a little bit of both. Okay, well, you're wrong. Anyway, if I had to rate this game... I would probably start it off by saying um, plus sign. Start with the plus sign. Just start it off there. Uh, <laughs> big bird to start. The big bird is kind of cool. I think having a giant crow is really cool. It's very reminiscent uh, to Norse mythology of mm-hmm. having a giant crow or a raven. Uh, very neat. Love that. Uh, multiply it by the sexy, sexy long legs of the mimics and their, <laughs> and their cool, funny kicks. So... <laughs> You got to love some mimics. The mimics in this game are one of my favorite characters. Uh, I wish I could have one as a friend. <laughs> uh, add in the amount of Pokemon there in the game. Um, I have now collected Poison Frogmon and Rat. <laughs> I guess Rat's out of. Um, no, also, just Rat. Yeah, just Rat. <laughs> uh, I got a cool Licky Frog too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Poison Frog and Licky Frog. 
Um, there's a lot of just really cool animals that I've collected, and I've, <laughs> I drug them through because they're fun. Uh, subtract out that when fighting the spider lady, her name is Mildred or something, I don't know, the person I summon gets stuck in lava too many times. <laughs> She's dumb. Um, but wrap it all together, really, by collecting dung pies <laughs> Jesus. when you kill some enemies <laughs> on top of Blighttown. That's your score? Out of? Dark Souls? No. Why, why, are you, why are you interrupting this? No. Okay, yeah. No. Out of what? Out of doing the pokey thing with the <laughs> pike. <laughs> and that <Out> was <laughs> and that was Dark Souls. Research was done by Jesse Reiners and Evan Barr. Cover art was created by Jesse Reiners and Jessica Welkson. And music written and composed by Evan Barr. And as always, let's thank those people who are supporting us, keeping us going, mm-hmm. and actually doing something on this podcast. Apparently... Opposed to other people. <laughs> um, let us start with our patrons. So if you don't know of our Patreon, we have it now. We've had it now. We've had it for a while. Uh, where you can find a bunch of stuff for our different tier bases. So joining us mm-hmm. on game night, joining our Discord, uh, T-shirts, posters, bonus episodes, extra content that we produce. It's all there. Check it out over at patreon.com slash finish the fight. Let's thank those people today. We start with Tactics, Sky the Bear, Angry Canadian, Grant Dillon, Mr. Choff, Cowan Fong Feliciano, Alex Harper, Dilfix, Nick Hyman, Richard Scanlon, Mick Chief, Big Papa Semechki, Nathan Vandevort, Climbing Spork, Mr. 1898, William Kroll, and Cameron Collier. So thank you guys again. And uh, if you need, if you want to support us, want to, uh, you need some, you know, fix, NFTF fix, check us out. Mm-hmm. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any further questions about the podcast, be sure to give us a like and follow, and then shoot us a message on those platforms. And be sure to check us out over at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That is where we played some Dark Souls before this, and that's where we're playing other games, some art and creative nights. Uh, We just played Among Us as well, which Mm -hmm. is a fantastic night. So we've got plenty of stuff to play with you guys, and then just uh, come say hi. Exactly. And finally, be sure to give us a start and written review on your favorite podcast platform. We would appreciate that. But as I said, that was... Our coverage, that our, our take, our opinions on Dark Souls. What did you think of the game? Do you think it's too difficult? Is it a breeze for you? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Let us know. And with that, I am your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. <laughs>